Hey, what's up? Hello. We are here. Yes. <laughs> we're we're here uh, doing a off week. Yo, is this racist? In that we don't know what's happening in the world, but we're also thrilled to have. It's not. I don't know. We're not always a guesty podcast, but um, we're guesty lately. Or guesty lately, and um, yeah, we're lucky to have uh, filmmaker, writer, director Paris Arcilla, uh, who I met—I don't know—two months ago. Is that right, Paris? Oh wow, your time sync is Fucked. terrible. It was—it was in March. Oh my <laughs> god! So in a way, though, that is two months ago. Two if months you minus also don't strike. remember the other all the other You're months right. that came. You're right. Yeah, it's it's um. The 2020s years, which... Um, yeah, flip. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I was just like, it was so recent. It wasn't. You're right. Um, it was near the, at the beginning of the strike. That's right. I guess I just forgot how long the fucking strike went. Oh, man. Do you know what? I, I came to LA uh, to have a whole bunch of meetings. Yeah. Your bloody strike happened. Yeah. And it was the most awkward set of meetings I've ever had in my life. Right. Were you just sitting in the meetings like, so what else do you do? You write any books or? <laughs> <laughs> no, was, there was a lot of skirting around the issue. So it's like, so you are a writer, I mean, director who sometimes yeah. puts pen mm. to the page. I was like, correct. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, and I like to tell stories vocally, like right now. It was quite weird, but um, it was nice. Uh, it's just a shame that timing. Uh, do you know what? My timing with everything in life is just terrible. So it didn't surprise <laughs> me at all. Um, but yeah. Well, also because you were uh, you were in town um, for a... Um, oh, gosh. I don't even remember. It was not the premiere, was it? Uh, no, actually. So, um, yeah. I have debuted my film called Raging Grace yes. um, at uh, South by Southwest. That's right. May have may have won a little, oh yeah. It may have won something. a small, tiny thing called the Grand <laughs> Narrative Prize. Yes. Wow. Uh, Congrats. Which is um, um, cool. really surprising. Thank you so much. Um, and it's the first British film to ever win at South by. So uh, we, yeah, we're really proud of it. Really happy. Yeah. We're, I was telling some of this story off mic, but I utterly fucked up that first night uh, because it was the LA, LA, a screening at the LA Independent Film Festival that I, I kind of basically showed up to your like pre-screening drinks, had a drink, and then... Yeah, fucked off. I was a last minute invite anyway. <laughs> I, I was just like, I'm so tired. I had just done a show and I like left and I regret it big time not seeing that movie with an audience because it fucking rules. Oh, thanks, man. No, I, I remember you leaving. Yeah. <laughs> really hurt my feelings. The important thing is you'll the important thing is you'll never forget. Yeah. It's the hold on to that. He's like, Yeah, I remember you had two drinks and you took a lot of the canapes and you didn't even stay for the yeah. movie. Uh, but I was really um I was really stoked that you were there, actually, because I do listen to this podcast quite a bit. Um, <laughs> that was that's so not wild. a requirement for you. Didn't have you don't have to say that to be on. No, are you sure? No. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you can be true. Anyway, thanks for having. Me. No, for real. <laughs> I genuinely listened to this podcast. I was listening throughout, 
the pandemic. It was a balm to the soul um, and really hilarious too. Um, listening to people <laughs> calling you. in when yeah. they, they were being racist or not. <laughs> the, the slight secret here is that we are not even actually very funny. We just, just the people that call in are so wild. Yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, let them barrel. fucking talk. Yeah, it yeah. really is. They they just walk right into it. Yeah, wait, so for the audience, um, can you tell them what Raging Grace is about? Or what can you say? Are you, are you where are you on your PR tour? Of, yeah, of what what annoying questions can we not ask you? Um, that's a good one, the first one, because um, <laughs> okay. I've said it so much. But no, 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 not at all. Do you know what? I'm never tired of talking about this film yeah. um, because um, I feel like any time I have watched somebody talk about their film and they look tired, it bums me out so much because I'm, I'm the, it's the first time I'm listening to them, but it's yeah. the thousandth time they're talking about the film. So I just want to, I, I do really enjoy talking about the film to people who have never heard about it before, but it is a really tough subject matter. So my debut film is called Raging Grace. Um, and it's about a young mother, uh, a young Filipino mother called Joy, who's an undocumented worker and her, British-born daughter called Grace. Um, and one day, Joy is accidentally hired as a care worker for a seemingly dying man called Mr. Garrett um, <laughs> in a big Gothic house. And um, basically, they make a discovery in there that changes their life forever. Yeah. I will, I will just say, uh, and uh, Paris, feel free to have Kevin cut this if this is too much of a spoiler. But the thing I loved about this movie is how every white person just gets relentlessly worse and weirder as the movie goes on. <laughs> um, that's about right. Yeah. I mean, that it's supposed to be very reflective of um, many immigrant experiences <laughs> yeah um, mm. and it's kind of nuts because you know that there, there have definitely been some audience members who have walked away from this feeling very seen mm -hmm. but in the worst way you know they, <laughs> sure. they feel quite <laughs> they oh, feel very me. offended um, yeah but, uh, but some of the criticisms is often you know what happens in it is so ridiculous you know, the white people in it are so theatrical. Uh, and I often have to say, uh, well, yeah, you're right. You know, what happens to these people is ridiculous. And mm. this is what has happened in real life, you know, despite it being shown through the fantastical lens of horror. S some of these things sound so ridiculous to us that it does come across, you know, like Disney character, yeah. you know, theatrics. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, so, um, it's been a really, really bizarre journey sort of making this, yeah. film and putting it out into the world. Um, I want to go back to two things you said. One, I really like mm. your phrase. People felt very seen, but in not, maybe not a way that they like, because that puts it in such yeah. a different perspective because that, that it that really is what, ha what's happening sometimes when people watch something and they. They see their own behaviors reflected back at them, and then they get offended because they feel criticized. But really, what's happening is they are being seen. It's just not always <laughs> great to feel seen. Um, and then the other mm. thing, I love you describing the some of the behavior as like ridiculous or cartoonish because what person of color doesn't have a story of like a racism done unto them 
that that isn't also so fucking hilarious and just abstract and dark where you're sharing it with another person of color and going this terrible thing happened to me yes we all agree terrible racism bad yes but also i'm dying laughing because like the man was screaming at me and his face was purple in the parking lot or there's always like some absurd mm. element to it where you're like yeah this is this is cartoonish this yeah. is straight up no absurd. It, it is so bizarre whenever it happens it's like oh holy shit it's <laughs> He's a racist. Like, he's, <laughs> yeah. It feels novelty, like, but cartoon and, racist. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh! But that novelty is wearing off. <laughs> getting old. True. Getting a little old. I will also say, um, I think the thing, uh, just for all the, uh, just to calibrate the movie a little bit, um, which is, I think it's sort of well known. I'm pretty squeamish, and it wasn't like too difficult to watch in that regard. So if anyone is considering i i guess it's like horror but it's not the most yeah no you're definitely right i mean um, to anybody who loves horror there is enough of it in there for you yes but for those who don't this is a horror with a small h and um (laughs) i I think what you got to remember is uh, you know this is a very untraditional horror yeah uh, but you know, unfortunately, so many immigrant experiences are horrific. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like horror was a very natural direction to take. Um, mm-hmm. But what I really, really want to emphasize is, although this is a film that expresses the lived experience of, you know, undocumented domestic workers, and it is traumatic, it is frustrating. So much of what is expressed in there is so that we as audience members, you know, particularly uh, unseen and unheard voices, are able to experience a cathartic spectacle that (laughs) they haven't quite had before. But it allows you to transgress a lot of the hurt if only to get to a place of joy and celebration of culture. Yeah. Um, it's something I was so uh, conscious about doing because I know, you know, post George Floyd, there was so much that came out that needed to be expressed. There was so much hurt. Um, there was so much anger and frustration that was expressed creatively. And there was certainly a majority audience who were very open to the allyship Mm. of listening and hearing. But I noticed the fatigue. I could see the underlying tiredness that people were feeling. And I thought, fuck, now that is dangerous. Because everybody has adopted this, you know, progressive language and a way of articulating their support. But when people are tired, they begin not to care. And I felt like I couldn't make something that felt too didactic, you know, felt like it was being shoved in their faces. It had to be entertaining first and foremost. Yeah. um, Where the undercurrent of it was still confronting colonialism, still challenging new and old white power. Um, But, you know, for those who didn't give a shit about it, they still left. There's something further, yeah. Yeah. It is, yeah. I mean, I I 
again, all right, let's see. Not to, I, I just really want people to see this movie. Um, I, I will just make, I'm sure this is a thing. I have not read other reviews or anything about the movie, but you know, there, it's sort of like a, like get out, like a Filipino get out level of like, wow. Entertainment and tradition and like, but that kind of like, oh, this is fucked. And you can see it through these eyes for the first time. Yeah. So not to, not to heap undue praise, but that is, that was the first thing that popped in my mind. Now I'm taking it. I mean, yeah. any comparison to get out, I will take it. Thank yeah. you take very it. much. For the, yeah. But yeah, for the listeners too. It's like, it's like that kind of vibe. It's like, it's like a thinking horror like really fucking charming, really fucking interesting and weird. Yeah, I just wanted to echo what you said about noticing the the burnout from people. I saw that a lot too. Yeah. And it felt very like, it almost turned from like a, yes, listening allyship. Yes, we're listening, we're listening to suddenly a switch would flip. And then those same people would be like, well, just tell me what to do then. I'm listening. Let's tell me how to fix it because I'm tired of this. And I was like, oh, these white right. people have had a, a half a summer of understanding racial injustice and they're already throwing their fucking grocery bags on the ground. Whereas I'm like, we've been dealing with it our, our whole lives. Like everybody just patience, <laughs> yeah. patience. No, that was um, a very, God. Yeah. Very, very interesting time um, to sort of witness the, yeah. That like the crash. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a sugar and, high. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah they Tolerant definite... sugar high. And then... uh, you had too much social justice for breakfast. Now you've ruined your dinner. Oh, now you're cranky. Know, Why don't you take oh, a nap? Oh, my God. Yeah, they've, they drank a whole two liters of Audrey Lord's. Uh, 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 yeah. uh, but I, it was, um, I got to say, like, just because they were tired, I, I always have to check my head when I begin to talk about these things because I'm still going through actively and consciously trying to dismantle a form of colonialism that is still in my head. Yeah, sure. Which is, okay, I'll start from the perspective of making this film. Yeah. So my parents, right, they grew up, uh, they came to London. My dad uh, ran a cafe and my mom um, used to clean people's houses for middle-class families and look after their kids. And when my mom was unable to find a babysitter for me, or um, she used to take me with her to her cleaning jobs. Um, and it was both in the cafe and in these sort of like gleaming houses that she used to clean was where I saw the micro and macro aggressions of that they used to receive, uh, essentially. And it really hardened their outlook on life. And they went on to teach me, essentially, to assimilate, you know, to excel, but oh, not to right. stick out, to not rock the boat, to aspire to whiteness and white approval, to be one of the good ones, you know, the good immigrant or the model minority or whatever. And I know it was intended as a protective you know, wisdom that was, you know, it was formed from a place of survival. Um, but, you know, these lessons that so many children of diaspora are familiar with has had a profoundly devastating effect on me. It really did lay the foundations and the brickwork of a mind that housed 
so much self-hatred, so much yeah. self-racism, and honestly, an embarrassment that violently stopped me from forming any kind of meaningful connection with my culture. Mm -hmm. And um, over the pandemic, there was so much introspection uh, because of the time we were given, but I couldn't ignore the growing discomfort of assimilation, which was scratching at me from the inside. Mm -hmm. sure. um, and realizing that I had spent so many years willfully rejecting my heritage and my mother tongue. It was, it was almost like discovering I was in the matrix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my construct was coded in colonialism. But it's, it's these, you know, making this film, writing this script, every sort of day was about going against what my Asian parents have taught me, you know? Right. Mm. Um, yeah. How do, what do they think of the, the movie? Do you know what? My mom kind of doesn't really sort of understand what it is that I do. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> she's, she's, my mom uh, understands yeah. far too well what I do. <laughs> she calls me with episode pitches for the show I write on. I'm like, Mom, we can't that do this. So also, cute. that's a great idea. <laughs> I know. It's, I'm like so jealous. That's so sweet. That Relative is to the cute. alternative. <laughs> yeah. My, I mean, my mom watched it and she liked it, I think. I think she, when she sort of saw her experiences on screen, I think it left her a little bit speechless, but um, I'm used to that anyway. So, yeah. Uh, but I think I could tell by the way she hugged me that it was, it, it was something she could be proud of, whether that was, yeah. So um, my dad hasn't seen it yet though, so I don't know. But You'll yeah, have to come God. back and tell us when he oh, does. Yeah. Tell us what, yeah, what he thinks, sure. I'm curious. It would be a yeah. really short podcast, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not—he's not a man of many words. Uh, <laughs> All right, you can just do a little check. You can call in. We'll play you. We'll play yeah, you as a fair. voicemail. <laughs> he said, "Not bad." Take care, guys. All right, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, oh shoot! I could—I could have looked this up before we started, but the um, yeah, the. Uh, no, this is a spoiler. Never mind. Sorry. I'll just say because I, I used to take um, like Kali classes. So I've like the what is that dance at the end with the bamboo? Oh, the tinkling dance. Yeah, I done. I had to do that. I've not had to. I was so bad at it. I just kept on getting clipped. But I've done some of that before. I was like, oh, this fucking rules. That's such a like great you know, closing image. I am so. Uh, I was so surprised to see tinickling dance um, practiced in American high schools. I was oh like, yeah, I did it. What? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I grew up in the Bay Area. My town, uh, the, there were so many Filipinos in my town. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that is crazy to me because Filipinos here are like the minorities. Minority. It is so such a small community. So hearing that is is wild. Yeah, Bay Area. A lot of them. Come on up sometime i feel like i like i ate more filipino food growing up like if i went to a friend's house to eat because all of my yeah. friends were filipino I, and then i would come home and be like why don't we make food like this my dad was like you're free to learn <laughs> go ahead you want to make lumpia go ahead <laughs> do you know what tony i reckon you you've probably had a um a better filipino experience uh than than well, i did um <laughs> I don't think that's but, a, that's anything I want to litigate. <laughs> <laughs> or, or more so. Yeah, for sure. I think it's because um, the 
I, I, we had a small community here, but uh, yeah, it feels so much bigger in America. I remember like going to that festival in the US, uh, the LA Asian Pacific one, and just seeing how many Asians were coming out to support. I thought the mm. community there was so amazing. I was so envious and jealous. In fact, like I remember thinking like, fuck, like, is this what I've been missing? Like, I've been missing <laughs> so much. Yeah, yeah. It, it was wild. I think I had a pretty similar experience getting to LA and like, you know, because I was like, not even in comedy, but was like running in these like comedy circles in New York and then Michigan is just Michigan, that mm. I've, you know, my sort of like, deeper lifelong Asian friends have mostly been acquired out here. Um, except for of course, enemy of the show and our common friends, Chun. But other than that. Um... <laughs> that's, that's so interesting. Cause I think I had a similar thing with black people. Like I moved to Chicago and suddenly like there were just so many more black people and so many more black people of like different socioeconomic levels that mm. I really got a much richer <laughs> understanding of my own culture than I ever could have in in the Bay Area, because there just weren't very many of us. Yeah, maybe it's just a numbers thing. Anyway, you'll have to come back to California. I mean, I'm sure you will, you know, at this point. You probably have no choice on a long enough timeline, so you'll be back. Oh, no, trust me. I I have to be back, um, because there is no industry for me here. Yeah. Um, I've been going at this for, you know, um, well over 10 years, and I still haven't been hired to to any TV as a director. Um, and it kills me, man. Um, even the film that I've made, which is, you know, very specifically British, uniquely British. Yeah. Um, it was um, completely rejected by every single funding body in the UK. We had to get our money from the US. Oh, um, crazy. It's so wild. Yeah. It is a yeah, it yeah. is a very British movie also. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I guess I it is universal-ish, but I think there's there's some version of British aristocracy that like even rich American white people don't really don't really do quite the same way is I'm trying not to spoil it, but well, no, we don't understand no, class the way y'all do. We just don't have the same. <laughs> we have nothing like it here, so Hmm, interesting. What do you mean, uh, as in class systems or? Yeah, like, class systems. Like, oh, okay. just, or, or like, don't, it's too tied to, it's completely tied to race. Like, you cannot discuss mm. class without discussing race in America. And when you try, you sound pretty dumb. So I, I just feel like gotcha. we fundamentally can't understand it in the way that it a, Well, yeah, I, I think there's also maybe like mm. class versus aristocracy, even, even, oh my God, sorry. I'm, I, I'm not, not that necessarily it's it's just i think the like the type of upper class is less maybe less diverse in the uk or something not less i'm i'm talking like a fucking idiot here because i'm trying okay, also please. trying See? Not to spoil. americans we don't know how to talk about class yeah <laughs> i it just it just to me feels like maybe maybe, it, maybe it's the kind of like direct colonialism vibes too that that might be more of what i mean is uh, in there yeah, I, I I come from the OG of colonialism. Remember, so like yeah. class is <laughs> it, it, hierarchy was there right from the outset. You know, I think um, it's interesting you say you ca you can't really discuss class without discussing race, and that's almost that's kind of becoming a thing here as well. Um, mm -hmm. But 
the, the working class uh, over here in the UK of is still very much tied to white working class. Yeah. Mm. And very fiercely protected too, in that sense, if, you know, when, when talking about working class, like, um, and as like the, the language over here in the UK has evolved when coming, when talking about uh, people of color, you know, East and Southeast Asians, it's been very, 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 very slow. Right. We're often borrowing whatever progress is over in the US and pretending sure. we've all had the conversation that you guys have had. <laughs> and it's well, so frustrating. Well, yeah. You know, that because that that translates into our industries, especially film and TV. And you've got to remember, we never had a, a civil rights movement over here right. in the UK. Never happened. Right. Um, so, so much of our, uh, you know, progressive talks on, on race is borrowed from America. And so mm -hmm. we have the language, but we don't mm -hmm. have the history. We don't have right. the makeup. So it's never, it, 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 it's never fully translated into our systems of work in the same way that it has in the US. I think there, there's just sort of the general vibe I tend to get from like white British folks is that like, nah, we're cool though. Yeah, we get it. We saw we yeah. saw what y'all went through. Montgomery bus bucket. We we, yeah, we yeah. get it. We're gonna skip to the after, and we're gonna be cool now. <laughs> oh my god, that that is a hundred percent what is what has happened a lot of the times. Rosa um, Rosa Parker, right? Parks. No. Oh, no. oh God! No, sorry, I'm, you're doing a bit. I know. I'm oh, so sorry. God. I'm so sorry. Can we cut Andrew. all that? <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm too good at being helpful. sarcastic. This is you're, a problem. Of mine this is the problem good. with Brits: is they're so dry. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, too I dry. Got, they're doing a bit. I got. Yeah. I got suckered. Andrew in. got I'm got. Just, yeah, no, my my was, comedy just does not work on Americans, anyways. Well, I feel like <laughs> what you're describing about uh, the civil rights movement with Brits is what uh, some Americans do with English comedy. Is we're like. We haven't really figured out the comedy math in the way that you guys have, but we're just going to kind of like grab onto the ends of it I and know. be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what, though? I, I feel like American comedy has uh, managed to, I mean, at first it didn't quite translate, you know, how, how you guys picked up British sarcasm and dryness, but it has evolved and it's become something really incredible, actually. Yeah, you guys, are, you guys are doing well on that front. Um, Thank you. I will take you know, your praise. Some of us, yeah. Toddy could have it. For the entire comedy Toddy community. Could, Toddy could have it. <laughs> um, we are having an awesome conversation. Um, do we want to do some voice ones? How about this, maybe? Is there anything anything else uh, you'd like to say about the movie besides um, I, you know, I think everyone should go watch it. Oh, please go oh, watch did it. it. Did we want to mention that you're also a cat celebrity? This is... Oh, oh yes. I would like you to mention that. What what are we talking about? <laughs> okay, why not? Why not? Let Do you know I am trying so hard Andrew to um shed that. I'm sorry. Shed the cat dad coat, but it is impossible. So, all right. Tony, it I can see the confusion in your face and I bet lots of listeners are also very confused too. So, back in 2018, it was a very, very hot summer. 
Um, and I needed to open all my windows, including my doors to let fresh air in, which was a mistake to be honest, because hot air just filled the house. Anyway, <laughs> I slept in the middle uh, floor of my house, which sounds like I've got a really big house. I don't, it's very tall and it's very thin. Um, <laughs> and um, when I woke up uh, early in the morning, uh, I was really cold. So I went back upstairs to my bedroom to get a jumper. Um, of, for Americans, a sweater. We know <laughs> what a jumper is. Uh, just, that, I just had to American double check. You know. little, that was mean. Ooh. Yes. Right. Well, do you know what? When I well, I talked about this on Twitter, and people were like, "What's a jumper?" Anyway, yeah. those so people I opened... never watched any uh, British TV. Sorry. Okay. I know. Continue. So uncultured. Um, <laughs> so I opened uh, my drawer under my bed, and there was a cat in there. And it had given birth to four kittens. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And um, I saw them and it was like, I don't know, the curtains of the universe had been lifted. <laughs> uh, I saw that and I, it was like, uh, it was love at first sight. I, I can't quite articulate how I felt, but I fell in love and I still have them right now. All I, of I have five. <laughs> All five. And it's oh been five years since um, since that day. It's five years oh, this year. My God, that is a beautiful story. What are their names? So uh, the mom is called Forever. Because um, she's forever my baby. Um, <laughs> Andrew, and, thank uh, you for asking this question. <laughs> I do. This, I, th- I will say, I, I, I'm pretty sure when Z introduced me to Paris, it was like, Paris's movie is great. Also... He has so many cats. He has six cats. Can I just say, this is exactly what's going to happen uh, when people listen to this episode. They'll be like, yeah, 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 Reagan Grace. But what about his cats? Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's all good. I loved him deeply. But you know what? When you discover these cats, audience, um, if you want to really support them, you should go and watch the movie. Which yes. Is there we go. 1st of December. There you go. You, you got <laughs> I'm it. plugging it in. No. Yeah. But th- so forever is the mom, and uh, there's Mac, who uh, is short for a whole raft of names. Originally Machiavelli, um, Mackerel, uh, Macadoodle, Mac, Daddy. Anyway, uh, second one is Ronin, uh, an all black cat with little white shoes. He's so cute. Also called Shoes. Um, then there's Pancake, um, who is so so adorable. He's my favorite. And um, uh, he's also called Boots, Chips, Porridge, because those are the things he likes to eat. Um, and then there is uh, Dobby, who I no longer call Dobby because uh, the author of that character sure. is a transphobic. Uh. Uh, so I call her Bobby now. And I think uh, it's far cuter. Just That's as cuter. good. That works That's perfect. Really cute. Oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> I Dope. All right. Well, let's 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 let you at least do one voicemail. We'll see how much time we have. Um, so let's let's yeah. take a little break and then we'll come back for at least one voicemail. We don't know how many. All right, Paris, you ready for, oh, bring for it some on. trivial bullshit? Let's go. Oh, please. Uh, hey, yo, crew. Um, I am calling about my mother who 
has uh, interesting opinions on diversity hires. He is mestizo, Uh-oh. for those who don't know, that's a half-white, half-Mexican, but she looks pretty white, and she has talked uh, both to me and other people before about how she thinks that there are incompetent people being hired into uh, kind of positions that they're not prepared for just because they're not white. And she knows I, um, like, have some qualms with this, but I don't really know how to approach the situation. So I was, I was just um, calling for some help there. This is my first sure. call. I'm a very recent caller, so if we've talked about this before, uh, I apologize. Uh, thank you. Bye. <laughs> thank you. Very, very interesting. Is that the thank first you. person to not remember if they've called in before? <laughs> I mean, you're. this is becomes a sort of like philosophical question because how would I, the person who doesn't remember what any episodes are, remember if someone has mentioned if they've never, <laughs> if they haven't called in before? It's a great question. <laughs> you know, um, it's a lot to kind of blow in your mind. I like, I like the questions like this that are like, I'm currently in a fight with someone in my family. Help me win the fight. <laughs> yeah. How do I, I feel like that. And, and prior to this, um, yeah, there was that sort of, I mean, I guess it's probably not something I would have assumed, but there is also, uh, you know, sort of a smidge of the, like, um, you know, a parent uh, of color who is a little just like, yeah, let's just tow the white people's line because it, it's mm. the best. Mm-hmm. Um but also the the other question was the sort of like do I have I I guess I would have just assumed that um Britain had had some version of this sort of like affirmative action um discussion. Um but I realize I don't fucking know. Well, our affirmative action is I think we went as far as unconscious bias training. Mm. Remember that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, all that did, I think, was arm white people with uh, <laughs> language to use against the blacks <laughs> yeah. and the browns. Sure. Yeah. Um, it has worked in some ways. Um, it sort of depends on who is willing to continue doing the work, which is something yeah. people have to do in perpetuity. Yeah, um, I think it's pretty established even from this conversation that most people, most especially anyone with privilege, doesn't want to do the work. Why? Why would so they? so true? I mean, for this caller, I would is is it their mom? It's yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, my condolences. Well, I would. I mean, as an outsider. Uh, Oh, yeah. We're always outsiders. It's okay. Always outsiders. I think compassion is a very um, uh, difficult thing, but much needed thing to have. Um, But equally, I believe sometimes people don't want to change, and that compassion is completely wasted. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like... (laughs) yeah. 
I mean, the one of the versions of this that is most also most shamefully for Asian people because we were sort of complicit in having um, college admissions, you know, in conjunction, of course, with the large body of conservative white supremacists who run our court system, um, largely gutted um, at the university level. And for for this caller, there is some version of like, oh. You know, like just not realizing that, for instance, in the Ivy League schools in America, legacy admissions, which is where children of p- people who have previously attended this college have are given preferential treatment. Um, you know, when the university system started being, you know, only white, how is that not preferential treatment for white people on average? Mm-hmm. Things like that. I think that's just like if you want to take um, Paris's. Uh, uh, you know, sort of empathetic approach. There's some version of like, hey, okay, but even if you don't slap the label of race on this one type of hiring, it is just as biased as like any, or not biased, but like, you know, j- creates uh, a lack of diversity in a, in a way that we need. Um, mm. Or sorry, that we don't need, but you get it. But I unfortunately am of the like, tell your mom to fuck off school. <laughs> so... An an additional thing that I like to consider sometimes with these conversations, especially with uh, the generation above us, an an older generation of people of color, whether they're your parents or just people in your family or people you know, they're almost like the subtext of some of these conversations from them are about, it's almost like a, well, if if you let brown people who aren't qualified do the job, it makes the rest of us look bad. There's a real fear of like, if you let in somebody who technically, quote unquote, doesn't deserve this in their eyes, you know, these white people are going to start to think that none of us deserve this shit. I, I feel like I detect that sentiment a lot when people are like, don't don't hire one of us who's unqualified for the job. What they're really saying is, you know, at a, at a base level, they're really saying hire someone like me who is good, who does yeah. deserve it, not someone who doesn't deserve it. And I just I hope that one day the younger generations below us start to, as we make more space for more people of color in more industries, we stop having like such a scarcity mindset and feeling like there can only be the select few of us. So we have Mm. to be perfect or else we quote ruin it for the rest of us, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. Do you know what I find so refreshing about speaking with you both is the, it feels like a safe space to be able to talk about these things because- (laughs) It doesn't feel like I'm going to lose my job or sure. that I have one. Um, but it, it, it's it's more about the pangs of terror and anxiety that I got writing and making this film. Yeah. Um, because it carries the concept of metaphorically and literally burning down the master's house, right? Yeah. It goes against everything my Asian parents taught me not to do. Right. And so... I still have a lot of these hangups in me that stop me from talking about and and confronting, you know, some of the issues that this caller is talking about. Um, and it's people like her mom that have made our industry over here in the UK so difficult um, for, mm. for for changes to actually happen. And I mean. This is why so many of us, like myself here in the UK, feel like there is zero room 
to be mediocre. Only white people mm-hmm. can be mediocre and right. live to have a brilliant <laughs> mm-hmm. career. They yeah. get to be mediocre and then become great. But yeah. we have to mm-hmm. be great off the bat. From the jump. Yeah. And there cannot be yeah. any fucking mistakes. But that makes the talent pool really small because there's no room for people to grow. And so it can't just be, I believe, it cannot just be about who is the best. Like that there's got to be room within companies. And this is maybe this is a societal growth thing where, you know, it's not just a, a capitalist mindset where the best person gets the best job with the highest money, that it there has to be a, a responsibility that businesses yeah. take on to, you know, create more space at the table. Yeah. Um, then there wouldn't yeah. be this whole um we should only stick to hiring. Yeah. The, the well, and it's it's not even the most qualified because it's like who hasn't <laughs> yeah. worked at a place with like the dumbest white people you've ever met? It's just that like it doesn't reflect on all white people when that person is a bozo. You know? Right. I want to um, be trash sometimes and have it not reflect on other black people. Like if I'm bad, just <laughs> yeah. let, let it reflect on me yeah. and my poor upbringing. <laughs> Yeah, or just <laughs> lack of skills in any way. I'm, I'm yeah, right my yeah. own lack of skills from laziness. We're from the we're the I, we're here for the dirt bags that. of color. Yeah, we're just you know the other dirt side, bags you, of color. That's yeah. another. That's a great podcast. That's you guys basically. Have got to start. I mean, secretly, it's just <laughs> what, what we're already doing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not, we're not doing much more than that. <laughs> Listen to our premium show, Yo, Can We Live. That's definitely dirt bags of color. Yeah, over there. <laughs> dirt bag and hard. Oh. Bag <laughs> just trading fried rice recipes um. i did I, I i will i will do a, a tiny plug again for uh the very idiotic podcast i did with enemy of the show zig where um oh, yeah. i did make a jollof shrimp fried rice and it was one of the most jollof. ill-advised but very delicious recipes i've ever made damn wow wow yeah wow, that sounds amazing black and asian keep it black and asian <laughs> Um, sorry, not not to, yeah, but the most important plug, um, if you are, Mm -hmm. so yeah, Paris, can you, uh, like, is, is it going to be sort of like a, what sort of, what's the best way people can watch Rage and Grace? Okay. Very good question. One I should have been more prepared for. (laughs) It is going to be, as far as I'm, uh, I'm aware. So Rage and Grace is going to be available, uh, in theaters on the 1st of December, uh, at all the Alamo Draft House cinemas. Oh, um, So that is um, p- 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 most in LA, New York, um, yeah, yeah, and all the other states that I yeah. <laughs> failed to <laughs> you know. and list them real quick in order. <laughs> uh, um, I have to go now. Yeah. I, I, well. Uh, yes. I, the, th- the thing is, it's not a massive studio film. Um, it's mm-hmm. being released by both uh, Music Box and Brainstorm. Uh, so it'll be in Chicago at Music Box Theatre. I love as the well. Music Box. Um, nice. Yeah, I hear it's good. Um, but on the 8th of December, um, it will still be in theatres, but it will also be released on VOD uh, via Apple and Prime and all that jazz, wherever you find your good movies. I think I if you're it. if you're yeah. listening to this podcast and especially like if you're enjoying Paris and you're listening to the plugs portion of the episode, 
a hundred percent go see this movie. You will you will definitely yeah. love it. Um, and see it in the theater. I think it's worth because there there are. Um, I unfortunately had to watch it in my home, and I for multiple How reasons you? do do very much wish <laughs> I had seen it in the theater, and I will see it. Um, so yeah, and if you're in LA, yeah, just come find me at one of the screenings and say what's up. Nice. I highly recommend you go see it in the theater because it is about it is a collective experience. Yeah, I've been to screenings um, where I've heard people cheer, yeah, um, and jeer and ooh and ah, and um, it's really fun to sort of be around. But it is, as I oh, say again, a cath- a cathartic spectacle that I think yeah. so many of us uh, have been looking for. Um, and I, you know, it's about coming home guys. It's about giving yourself permission to rage. Um, it's about transgressing so much of that frustration and that anger, um, so that we can allow ourselves to get to a place of joy and celebration of, mm-hmm. of our culture. Yeah. Um, so come, come on home. Yeah. Oh, I, yes. I please, please, please do that. Um, Paris, thanks for fucking being here. Thanks yes, for thanks amazing. for doing this. Do My pleasure. Soon, I will great. come back this whenever you want me here. <laughs> honestly, um, this has been so fun, and um, wow, I can't believe I made it onto an episode of Yo's is Racist. <laughs> it's a, I, it was so very within yeah. most people's yeah. Brains. It's attainable. Uh, please come <laughs> back next up. week, whenever you want. <laughs> The biggest, cool. the biggest impediment is my own bad scheduling facilitating. No, nope. Andrew, you did that. great. That was the international Dateline's fault, and, um, and yeah. that person's fault Other alone. Shit. <laughs> no, um, but truly, uh, Paris, you're delightful. Thank you so much. Thank aw. you for telling us about your film yeah. and sharing your experience. And uh, yeah, everybody should yeah. go out and watch it. Do you want people True. to find you on on social media items oh, yeah. or anything like find that? Find me uh, on uh, Paris Zarcilla. That Z A R C I double L A. It's kind of like Godzilla, but mm. Zarcilla. Uh, on Instagram or on Twitter, I refuse to call it X. Yeah. Or on Threads. Yeah. I'll be there posting about my cats. Yeah. Which I'm sure you'll find far more interesting. I love Definitely it. do that. Um, oh, dope. Um, what else do we say? Three two three three nine seven two two three. That's the voicemails. Suboptimalpods.com. Okay. Um, dope. Go watch the movie. Uh, Rage and Grace, Alamo Draft Houses, or music in a box. week, Music Box, or online on the VOD. VOD. Nice. That's what it's called. Thanks right. so much. Dope. Yeah, thank Thanks you. for being here. <laughs> Peace, guys. Peace. This is Suboptimal.